Wretched Radio begins in 3, 2, 1. I use the complete idiot's guide to the Bible. Unqualified. Why can't my kids come into the service? Because we have PG-13 services. Unqualified. That has a nice ring to it. Unqualified. I've always felt that way. It wasn't a compliment. Junior church has taken over. It's designed for elementary kids or junior higher. Who doesn't feel unqualified? It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And away we go. It's the Wretched Radio mail call delivery bag Q&A infotainment nationwide extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. That is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Friel. The mail is here! Ooh, this is Wretched Radio. Please, please, send questions, comments, conundrums snarks but do not send any platitudes we have plenty of those in one story that i hope you already saw stacy abrams she's trying to be the governor of the great state of georgia she was sitting in a panel the sound is so muddy i will just read it to you there is no this is stacy speaking she wants to be the governor of a state there is no such thing as a heartbeat at six weeks. Well, first of all, we do not want to fall into the trap that heartbeat is the determiner of life. A life is a life when a thing is growing, and that happens at conception. Nevertheless, she denies science. There's no such thing as a heartbeat at six weeks. So where did this rumor come from? It is a manufactured sound designed to convince people that men have the right to take control of a woman's body. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> she said that in public in front of people. Ay, ay, ay. Cliche after cliche. They got nothing. And so what do they do? They sling out emotive arguments that this is about control. So apparently, I don't know if you heard about this. The meeting happened in Switzerland, which is where all nefarious meetings take place. And a group of men, white men in particular, got together and said, so here's what we want to do. In order to control women's bodies, whatever that means, in order to control women's bodies, which is just so bonkers. It's like, does a woman have the ability and right to go to a doctor's office or are we keeping them from that too? So these guys got together in Switzerland and they said, in order to keep women barefoot and pregnant and in the kitchen, what we're going to do is pretend that there's actually a heartbeat at six weeks so that abortion laws restrict a mother's ability and legal right to take the life of their innocent child. And they went about the business then of they ran it. Jimmy, you know how this sound stuff works. You create a bunch of bumpity, 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 bump. Right. And then they they sent that sound to every ultrasound doctor in the world <laughs> and uh, every nurse practitioner when they did an ultrasound so that we can keep women under control. That's all it. <laughs> Such nonsense. So please, Ixnay on the attitude plays, please. But send pretty much anything else to ID at wretched.org. As long as I brought up the subject of ultrasounds, however, I have got to do a shout out for preborn. Got to do it. Wouldn't be prudent to not do this. 28 bucks provides a free ultrasound. 80% of the time, a woman chooses life. 
In other words, we trick 80% of them. <laughs> see, what Stacy doesn't know is all of those images that people see manufactured by white men in Switzerland to control women. The preborn centers are literally under attack these days. Literally. That isn't hyperbole. Literally under attack. They could use your support. If you'd like to save lives, ultrasounds, that is the ticket. And you can support your ultrasounds, or singular, I guess. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Let's get to the mailbag, shall we? And we start with Derek, who says, Todd, it seems as if bankruptcy isn't biblical. But is it biblical? But it is biblical to forgive debt. So I wonder if there's any aspect of that in bankruptcy. Yeah. Among many things that I'm not a tax attorney, a financial lawyer, I am not a bankruptcy attorney. Nope. Don't have that experience. But I think we can still have some biblical principles to address the forgiveness aspect. If you are in debt to somebody, and they forgive it, you can, you can receive that forgiveness. You, you can receive that, especially if nobody gets hurt from it. Now, what is the practice of bankruptcy? It is filing for protection because you, probably through an entity, have a debt that you cannot pay. And so you receive governmental protection that these people, these creditors, can't take your stuff. Is that helping them by filing for bankruptcy? And I think the answer is no. It helps you, but it doesn't help them. And therefore, I would have to say, I don't think that I'm being faithful to my debt. I don't believe that this is loving my neighbor as myself. Therefore, I think as a, as a rule, there might be some legal exceptions where people don't get hurt. But if somebody is going to have to pay for your debt, then, um, verboten idea at wretched. Do you agree with that, Jimmy? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so because I mean, you 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 made a promise. To that pay. was that was the contract, right? So now you're not keeping your word. So there's there's deception involved, and there's not keeping a an oath, if you will, that you made with somebody. Mm-hmm. And now I get it. it. It can be tricky and tough, but that is why getting into debt needs to be a pretty slow process. Be careful how risky you are. Be careful how much stuff you buy thinking everybody's going to want to buy this. Be careful that it is not a leveraged debt. See, I I don't personally think like a mortgage when you have a house to secure the debt. I'm not even sure that I really see that technically as debt. So I don't think you're sinning by having yourself a mortgage. I I think that there can be some considered loans, especially if they're secure, they're not high risk, that that are a safe way of using the money that God has given to you or the opportunities that he's provided for you. But if it hurts somebody, if if, if by, by, by not performing your obligation, it hurts somebody, then you shouldn't have gotten into that position in the first place. And if nothing else, some wisdom can be gleaned. Next time, do it smarter. And send questions, comments, conundrum, snarks to idea at wretched.org. And this comes from Sarah. 
Todd, hello. I am trying to start a university evangelism ministry at our local university. Excellent. And I'm finding it difficult approaching students. Can you give me any advice or ideas on how someone who is not interviewing students for the radio can start a conversation? Well, that's an interesting debate. Is it easier to approach somebody on a university campus with a microphone, a camera crew, a sound boom to talk? Or is it easier to just approach somebody and talk to them? Not sure we have any empirical data on that, but I would suggest to you there's plenty of times when it's harder because it is TV. Now, I don't want to be, no, I don't want to talk, no. But those same people might be open to a more personal approach. How do you start those conversations? Well, let's start out perhaps with giftedness. This is not a critique on the lady that we should be applauding for starting a university ministry. But before you start doing university ministry stuff, ask yourself the question, do I have the skills and giftedness to approach complete strangers and engage them in a conversation? Because if you don't, you might want to consider another thing or play a different role in that particular ministry. But having said that, I think you can try out what works for you. What works for you is going to be different than what works for me, for Ray Comfort, for anybody else who hits the streets. Because of your personality, how you present yourself, the tone of your voice, etc., I think I've kind of found what sort of works for me. I think when we were out on the campus last time, one, maybe two students turned us down. But otherwise, the rest were willing to talk without knowing the subject matter. So come up with a thing. Go out there with a gift. Go out there with a gift certificate. Go out there with a booklet. For instance... Don't stub your toe available at wretched.org or are you a rotten fish or the man who split time? You know, stuff like that. And by the way, don't forget, we're still giving away. I got to get a count on this, Jimmy. I think we're getting pretty close. I think we are, too. To hitting our goal of? One million. That is correct, sir. So we're getting there. Those are available. No cost, including shipping at wretched.org slash puzzle. Give them a booklet. Hey, could I ask you some questions about this booklet? Hey, did you get one of these? And it might be that you're seeking to engage that person or you're just fishing. You're just casting out the line. And you say to a bunch of students, hey, did you get one of these? Hey, have you seen this? And you will eventually get one who stops to chat with you. Come up with questions. Hey, I want to talk to you about Christmas. Tis the season. Why do you celebrate it? What's the meaning? What is the reason for this season? And you're there. Furthermore. You can just ask a student, may I talk to you today about you, your soul, and you will be shocked at how many kids delightedly say, yeah, I'm I'm down for that. Find your thing and go. This is Wretched Radio. How's inflation been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home? Would you please visit MediShare.com slash wretched. Affordable, biblical health 
sharing, Christians paying for other Christians' medical bills, which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for mm, bad stuff. Second of all, you can save on average $500 per month. And finally, MediShare, it's the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years. It works, and the members, including myself and Mrs. Friel, love it, which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance. If inflation has got you down, call up the people at MediShare, 844-34-BIBLE or MediShare.com slash wretched. Hey, thank you for listening to Wretched Radio today. We know you have infinite choices in what gets your time, and we don't take for granted that you've chosen Wretched Radio. And we also want to thank those of you who are monthly Wretched Gospel Partners. Without your support, we could not do all that we're able to do. From Wretched Radio and Wretched TV to other productions like Road Trip to Truth, Transformed, and Breaking Bread, not to mention the many resources available in the Wretched store, they're all possible only because of you and your ongoing support. If you're not already a monthly Wretched Gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider becoming one? Help us continue producing quality productions that reach millions with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And know that we take seriously our stewardship of the resources you provide. That's why we're audited yearly by the ECFA, so you know we're accountable to you. Get all the information you could ever need about becoming a monthly Wretched Gospel partner now by visiting wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Hey, isn't this groovy? Dozens of crisis pregnancy centers have been vandalized or set on fire because of the Roe v. Wade decision. A preborn center in Buffalo was firebombed. A preborn clinic in Gresham, Oregon was hit with an incendiary device. A preborn clinic in Miami vandalized and they're receiving bomb threats. In other words, the battle for life is becoming a battle for life. And yet, the preborn centers continue to open. Support organizations like Preborn and like your local pregnancy clinic that are unwaveringly and without fear opening again today, offering free, loving, Christ-centered alternatives to these young women. Be part of the solution. Please join the literal battle for life preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched know your reformers Ulrich Zwingli was a Swiss reformer who pioneered expository preaching, introduced the regulative principle, and brought a republican government to Switzerland. He fought against the Roman Catholic Church for theological and political independence and died in battle. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. No platitudes, but pretty much anything else. This is Wretched Radio. Very grateful you send stuff that you think is wretched to idea at wretched.org. We would not find most of the stuff that we share here if it were not for you. For instance, Jimmy, we have a story about burying the lead. Ah. Yeah, one of of my favorite things that so many journalists do these days. The headline, and then they just bury that down on page seven. STD epidemic in U.S. is out of control, warns the CDC. Then they're starting the fire alarms because the STD rates, they're going up and up and up. Huh, let's get to page two. I'm looking at about paragraph 15. Rates are highest 
in men who have sex with men. Wow. Thank you for sending a story about burying the lead. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, my secular humanist friend, how's that new morality working out for you and your kids? Huh? Having to visit the doctor's office to get shots more? How's that promiscuous, you got to be you and live whatever promiscuous life you want to live working out for you? It doesn't look so good. Please send stuff with the exception of platitudes because Stacey Abrams has provided all we can stomach for a day to idea at wretched.org. All right. This one from, from Caleb says, Hey Todd, I've been evaluating my life and have realized that entertainment has taking up a, a major time period wow. in my daily life. At what point does it become an idol? Mm. Well, there, there can be two parallel issues here. An idol is a heart issue. It is when you need something more than Jesus. It is when you serve something more than the Lord, when you are more passionate about an object or a pursuit than you are of your king. So I think you've got, you've, that you've got to figure that out internally. Where is your heart with these things? Most things are morally neutral. For instance, I'm holding some glasses, which I still haven't been able to get out of the case, that were a gift to me. Thank you very much, Carr family. Are these are these glasses an idol? Well, not as they sit here on my desk. But if I start loving these glasses, which will bear the fruit of I get really protective of them. I'm always cleaning them. I don't even use them because I don't want them to get worn out. I'll probably have a heart issue. But the second issue when it comes to video games is a stewardship issue. How are you using your discretionary time? Are you spending an inordinate amount of time at frivolities? How do you know how much time is too much time? And the answer is you got to figure that out, but you will need external help because you will misjudge the situation. So ask your family, ask your spouse, ask your elders. Hey, I'm spending 17 hours a day playing. I can't even think of one video game. What's a booby trap? What's the one that everybody plays? The uh, war one? Uh, you, you asked me and now, now I've, uh, my mind has went blank. Uh, Grand Theft Auto is one. Wait, wait a second. Wait a second. My, my mind's always blank. I know. No, no, no. Your mind has went blank? Has gone blank. See, I told you it's gone blank. <sighs> yeah, de- 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 the, the death threat audit. What was it called? Grand, Grand Theft, Theft Auto, yeah. <laughs> if you're spending most of your day playing it, I can pretty safely say that's too much. We can take time out to rest, to do things that really don't have much significance. They chill you out. You just enjoy it. God is fine with that. But watch your time. And you can ask some of the traditional questions that you've heard preachers ask before. How much time do you spend reading your Bible versus playing Grand Theft Auto? How much time do you spend serving your church versus serving tennis balls? Thank you. I wrote that. Weigh these things. Get external help, and you'll be able to determine if you are being a good steward or an idolater. Idea at wretched.org. All right. This one is from Allison. Todd. my uh, six-year-old daughter recently learned that Christians... Spanker! Have... <laughs> Sorry, that was too soon. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> My six-year-old recently learned that Christians have been persecuted for their faith. Mm. I believe my daughter now is actually more scared to become a Christian. Uh. She once was excited about Bible stories and praying, however, not anymore. Yeah. Any words of wisdom? Yeah, well, first of all, 
take a take a slightly longer view at this. This is a tender issue, and you don't want to bully her to believe something she believes could potentially hurt her. But here's the reality. We were not promised a bump-free ride. In fact, those who live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. When you humble yourself before God's mighty hand, you repent and put your trust in Jesus. It is also an acknowledgement, I'm willing to die for my Messiah. I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live my own life. And if God determines that this life will be cut short in his service, then I will praise him for picking the perfect day for me to take my last breath. So at six, I think you can start to, as you see fit, mom and dad, introduce those concepts. But quite honestly, I think there's actually an upside to this. We have a tendency to see our kids perhaps being fearful because of the potential of persecution, or we don't want to talk to them about the doctrine of hell because it might scare them. I think these are things they need to know because it reveals that Christianity is a unique thing and that our Savior, he was crucified, and we should expect no less than that. But it's worth it. This religion is demanding, oh yeah, salvation by grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, but we are commanded to put our hand to the plow and not look back, to get busy, let the dead bury their own dead, and so do it wisely. You you don't want to unnecessarily frighten your children, but there ain't nothing wrong with fear. And you might just, because of this issue, could be a blessing for you in that you're probably not going to have to go through what so many parents go through. At the age of six, I I love Jesus. I want to get baptized. And some parents do, and then they learn about persecution, and they're out of there. So at least you're going to to know, and she's going to understand what it means to follow Jesus Christ. It means death to self, the giving of our all. And that includes ourselves, because he gave it all. Please send whatever to idea at wretched.org. For Micah, Todd is the phrase getting right with God a biblical one? Mm. I understand the idea behind what's being said, but yeah. isn't our standing always a right standing before God as born again believers? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's probably sloppy language. I, I think we all get the gist behind it. I think I've used it in witnessing to somebody, you need to get right with God. Now, if you don't explain it's repentance and faith, that Jesus saves totally, um, then then there might be under the impression they can do something to be made right outside of Christ, or at least participate in his salvific work. So I've used it in the context of explaining you must you must repent. That is how you are made right with God. So maybe it's a good word. Instead of saying, get right with God, you need to be made right with God, would I think be more precise and most likely lead to less confusion. We have got to be careful with our evangelical lingo. Make Jesus your Lord and Savior. Ask him into your heart. Commit to Jesus. Just accept Jesus. Whoa, 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 whoa. What are these phrases? They're unclear commands to believe in Jesus that are lacking a clear command to believe in Jesus and to repent. So a word well spoken, sir. Maybe we could tweak that language a wee bit. Idea at wretched.org. All right, this one is from Danny. 
Todd, I see a rise in Christian nationalism. Could you explain if it is something we should be avoiding? Can you explain to me what you mean by Christian nationalism? It has a panoply of definitions. It is its semantic range woo, bigger than pretty much the entire Amplified Bible. The, the Christian nationalism moniker is relatively new. Not sure, but it was probably birthed January 6th. <laughs> and it means anything from you are trying to make this a Christian country. You want everybody to believe the Christian religion. You want this country to be controlled by Christian values. You're a Christian nationalist, especially if you're willing to go to war for it. That's one definition all the way over to the other side. I think this is a pretty amazing country. And I'm a Christian. Christian nationalist! So it really depends on what somebody means by it. So once again, the war of words, coming up with a moniker that is absolutely pejorative, that if you are labeled with a Christian nationalism tag, then you're branded. I'm not sure that illustration was exactly consistent, but don't let people get away with this. I, I, I love this country. I believe that God hasn't, you can't argue it. God has indeed richly blessed it. There's just no argument about that. And that doesn't make me somebody who's a terrorist or somebody who wants to undermine democracy. I keep seeing this, this inverted reality regarding democracy. I think I had a couple of articles in my stack talking about these people. They, they don't want mail-in ballots. They're undermining democracy. They don't want as many drop boxes. They're undermining democracy. Uh, no, no, we're not. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. You may remember us talking about the communications company Twilio over the last couple of weeks. The original story we told you was Twilio CEO Jeff Lawson announced that the company would be having anti-racist focused layoffs. Well, we can't call the man a liar because that's exactly what has happened now. In an update, we can tell you that 11% of Twilio's workforce has been laid off. In other words, 11% of the workforce who happened to be white were laid off. In a statement regarding the layoffs, Lawson said that those who were laid off will get at least 12 weeks of pay. Oh, and here's the best part. They will also receive the full value of Twilio's next stock fest, which I would venture to guess probably won't be worth much of anything after this. Have you wondered to yourself at all why the state of Virginia elected Glenn Youngkin as its governor last year? If so, allow me to put an end to all of your questions. Children do not belong to the state. They belong to families. And anybody who thinks that parents should be shut out, I, I can't quite understand where they think the decision should be made if families and parents aren't the primary decision maker with a child. Well, according to those trying to destroy the traditional family, decisions like this should be made by anyone but the parents or the family. Now, here's a strange story I didn't think I would be reading today. A gay rights organization was deplatformed by PayPal and its subsidiary Venmo, only to discover on Thursday that a pro-pedophile organization, Prostasia, continues to be on good business terms. And I admit, at first I was a bit surprised to see a gay rights organization being deplatformed by PayPal until I read the organization was named Gays Against Groomers. 
And well, you know, grooming, that's a high priority for those attempting to tear down the traditional family and harm children. You know, we read and hear persecution stories just about every day here at Wretched, and a lot of times, family members are involved. But in this story, family this close, it's gotta be a first for me. Christians in Eastern India suspect a church member's Hindu family killed him last month for refusing to renounce his faith. Not just any family, his wife and son had threatened to burn him to death and feared his faith jeopardized his daughter's impending marriage. Church members say they last saw the man when his wife and adult son disrupted the start of a church service and threatened him at the beginning of August. His wife was carrying a bottle of gas at the time and his son carrying a wooden baton. In a scuffle outside the church building, the man's wife and son threatened to burn him alive. Oh, and coincidentally, that's exactly how he died. India currently ranks 10th on the Open Doors 2022 World Watch list of countries where it's most difficult to be a Christian. As we tell you so frequently here at Wretched, please make sure that you continue to pray for all of our brothers and sisters abroad. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. <laughs> Important dates in Christian history. 1830. Charles Finney's urban revivals begin and introduce techniques that decisively affect later mass evangelism in America. Finney's innovations included the anxious bench, a forerunner to altar calls, and the use of emotional manipulation to elicit a decision for Christ. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. You're not going to like this, Jane Austen fan. This is Wretched Radio Pride, not prejudice. Conference. <laughs> Mr. Darcy. Which one was he, by the way? Pride, not prejudice, to teach educators inclusion in classroom. And of course, we all know that inclusion means everybody but you if you disagree with us. That's what, in fact, and I can actually read this because I've got my gift glasses on. This was from Carl Truman wrote this, the problems with LGP, etc. Inclusion are, of course, manifold. First, there is the logical problem that any movement deploying the rhetoric of inclusion has to face. And here it is. If everyone is included and nobody is excluded, then the movement is meaningless. <laughs> it's not a movement. It's just there. It's because everybody's accepted. It's not something special. It's not something personal. Thus, the language of inclusion here is really a code word for precisely the opposite. It actually means exclusion and the de delegitimizing of any person or group that dissents from what the movement's movers and shakers deem to be an acceptable opinion. Ain't that the truth? It's basically what I said, only a lot more intelligenter. So sorry, Jane Austen fans. There's now a pride in... Not Prejudice Conference in Salt Lake City, no less. What was I taught? Oh, I know. Mrs. Freel and I were out for a walk, and we bumped into a, some folks that we know. And she was saying that they're on their way to go to Salt Lake City. And I said, would love to hear your thoughts on looking at the, the, the temple. Now, they got the tabernacle, and then they've got the big white temple. Observe what you see there. And see if something feels radically off, like no windows, no cross on a steeple, no architectural interest, 
no color. It is totally lacking imagination. I think the idea is we're going to kind of create this ethereal building at, at the celestial level of the kingdom. And it is boring. And I'm, I'm really sorry if you're a Mormon, but it's creepy. There's just, it's, it's Salt Lake to me. I'm not a fan of feeling things, but I'll tell you, you just kind of, no, you feel something there. I'm telling you that much. Please send questions, comments, conundrum snarks to idea at wretched.org. All right. This one is from Sherry. Yes. Was it Elizabeth or Darcy who had pride or prejudice? I have no clue. Have you never read the book? No. You've never seen one of the series. There's like 85 of them. They even try to contemporize it. Ask me how I know. How do you know? Because I've seen all of them. <laughs> Mrs. Friel is a big fan. And if Mrs. Friel likes watching it, then I like watching it. <laughs> I never, It's sort of like a hunt for the, the winter carnival to find the medallion and get a prize. Okay, now she said that he had pride. But then she said he was prejudiced. So which is he? Is he pride or prejudice? which is maybe why the book is endured. Idea at wretched.org. <laughs> All right, from Sharon. Today, I, uh, I want to ask a question that I'm very confused about. Do we go to heaven when we die, or do we sleep in the grave until the second coming of Christ? We go to heaven when we die. We are absent from the body, present with the Lord. It is appointed unto man once to die, then the judgment. There is no soul sleep. That is a fabricated doctrine. We go to be with Jesus. Now, in what state? We're without our physical body. So we are going to, I think a helpful way of phrasing it is, we're going to a holding place heaven because the eternal heaven that we will be in is going to be right here, a refashioned planet. Now, I don't know if God is just going to torch this one and start fresh, or is he going to bring an earth-like planet into existence? Regardless, it's going to be like this, only so much better only so much more profound. And we begin that eternity the second we die. We don't go some netherland and wait, or we're knocked out until Jesus finally gets around to returning. We get to be with him without our physical eternal bodies yet. But believe me, it'll just be a blink of an eye and you will. Idea at wretched.org. And this one is from Dan. Todd, I grew up in a Christian home and was baptized at the age of eight. I can't ever remember a time when I didn't trust in Jesus for my salvation. I know it's coming. As a child, I did not have the assurance of salvation that I have today as an adult. Uh huh. Do I need to be baptized again? <laughs> the reason you can see that question coming from a mile away is because it's a regular question that people have. It is a blessing. Let's start right here. It is a blessing to grow up in a Christian home. Never doubt that. But because you always learned about Jesus, because you always sang that Jesus loved you, this you knew, it seems like, huh, was I really saved back then? When did that happen? And this is what I have experienced, whether, whether it is this fellow or any. I'm, so I'm not thinking about anybody in particular. But historically, what I have experienced is that when you say to somebody who is concerned, well, I'm not exactly sure when I was saved, and today I really believe versus back when I was a kid, so what's the? do I need to get rebaptized? Because I was baptized when I was eight years old. And I think the question that gets to the bottom is, tell me when 
your affections changed? When did you go from going to church, doing what you were supposed to do, and going to youth group and saying, let's go? You did, you did everything that you were told to do, but when did it become yours? When did it become something that you actually wanted to do? When you were like, I got to go to church. Not I, not I have to go. I want to go. I want to read my Bible. I don't have to read my Bible. I want to I wanna memorize my Bible. When did your affections change? When did Jesus become precious to you? And here's what I've discovered with these folks. They are inevitably able to answer, oh, I remember that I was a junior in college. And most likely, most likely, that's when you got saved. Most likely. Because the true convert is one whose affections are radically different. And if that difference wasn't there prior to being a junior in college, you just probably weren't saved. No, I can't say that definitively. If this is something that really causes a struggle for you, sit down with a patient elder and talk through it with them. And furthermore, the more important question than when did I get saved, and I think it is an important question, but the more important question is, am I saved today? Do I love Jesus now? Am I following him this moment? And if the answer to that question is yes, then determining when that began, it can be a helpful or interesting exercise, but don't cause yourself to lose sleep if you can't figure out the second. And please send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. All right. This uh, next question asker has an interesting name. He or she is named Wretch. Wretch. I mean, that's how they signed it. From well, Wretch. That could just be that. Well, sure. That, that, that's like a handle. <laughs> yeah. Trucker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, from Wretch, how should a Christian answer the question, how are you, when the answer is not so good and you really don't necessarily want to explain what's going on to everyone? Here's a tangential question. You're at a website. You're signing up for a credit card. And it has about 17 pages of legalese. And it says, I affirm this. And you didn't read it. Are you sinning? I don't think so. Now, if it's an if it's an important contract that is outside of a publicly accepted agreement, so if you've got like fifty million people who are already using that and they all signed it, then I think you're saving. I don't think you're sinning. It's more of a formality than it is a a, 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 a specific affirmation that you've read every single line. You can't understand that stuff. I think that that's a tangential question to this question. Because I think that there are just some times when we can say, ah, I'm fine, and we're not sinning. You've just suffered something traumatic and awful. How are you doing? Okay. All right. Are you doing okay? Well, by the way, how are you doing? That's a good place to start. Jimmy, tell me exactly how you're doing at this moment. I'm doing great. Doing great. Yeah. Any worries? No, not at this moment. Any struggles with the family or kids? Uh, no, no. Oh, stop it. Not that I can think of. I'm serious. No, you're skating right now? Yeah. Huh. What, mm. about, what about your work? <laughs> well, I got a page and a half. <laughs> See, there it is. <laughs> How do you feel? Well, um, I think I'm like 70% really good, 15% fair, and there's about 15% that is pretty lousy. 
And you would go, that's just, that's weird. That's weird. And so I think it's a pleasantry. I think it's a, more of a formality. Now, if you're going through a rotten time and somebody says, how are you doing? Absolutely excellent. Well, okay, that's different. But I think you can give a generic answer that would indicate it's either or. Besides, I hate to say it, but let's be honest, most of us really don't want to know anyway. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Oh, here's the one that you can always answer. Better not deserve. Thank you. Thank you very much. This is Wretched Radio. 200. That's right. 200 Tomorrow Clubs are now up and running again in Ukraine. That means kids are hearing the gospel. They're getting saved. Their parents are getting saved. The church is getting strengthened. Not only are the Tomorrow Clubs busy preaching the gospel, they're also very busy helping people. This is our buddy Max in Ukraine. We have created the Ukraine Support Fund. Thanks to our partners, Tomorrow Clubs began immediate assistance to the network of the local churches. It became a safe place for thousands of refugees fleeing their devastated homes. Providing food, providing clothing, potable water, a safe place, communication. Would you please consider becoming a ministry partner of the amazing ministry called Tomorrow Clubs? You can learn how you could participate in the spreading of the gospel in Eastern Europe at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. You know, there are a ton of things people partner in. Some have business partners, some have workout partners. We all need accountability partners. Then you have partners in crime, not something I recommend, or marriage partners, something I do recommend. And then, of course, we can't forget about the wretched gospel partner. Our gospel partners, that would be many of you, provide us with the ability to do what we're able to do. You faithfully helped us reach millions of people all over the world with resources like Wretched Radio and TV, Road Trip to Truth, Transformed, Breaking Bread, Wretched Worldview, The Drive-By Series. I could keep going, but we'd be here far too long. Plus, I think you already get the point. Without you, there is no wretched. So we humbly thank you for your support. If you're not already an ongoing Wretched Gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider becoming one? Just hit up wretched.org slash donate to find answers to many other questions you may have. That's wretched.org slash donate. Hmm, something is happening in the Philippines. Wait, I know what it is. Jesus is building his church. Please meet Pastor Kitu Espiritu from the Master's Academy International in the Philippines. Your support allows us to fill pulpits and transform lives. Pastors are being equipped to rightly divide the truth. People in the Philippines are hearing the truth rightly preached and coming to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Jesus is on the march in the Philippines. Souls are being saved, churches are being built, and yet there are too many empty pulpits. And that is where you come in. Would you please consider filling an empty pulpit in the Philippines so that people can hear the word rightly divided? The Masters Academy International training pastors to do just that in the Philippines and 17 other nations. To learn more, please visit wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Books of the Bible Titus was an apprentice and fellow missionary with Paul, left on the island of Crete to organize the churches there. 
The Book of Titus is a manual regarding the character, behavior, and doctrine of church leaders and church members. All of these commands are grounded in the gospel of Jesus Christ, what He has done for us, and who we are in Him. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Making church signs. Yes, we are. You know you love, you love our signs. You know you love, you love our signs. You know you love Straight it. from the big guy. We know just what he'd say. Like, oh, maybe come down there. So then we put it on the freeway. Everybody did go. This is Wretched Radio, one 282 beep to agitate. I mean, to share a church sign that you drive by. Church sign, looking for love. Love comes from God. Yeah, of course it does. In this is love, not that we first love God, but that God loved us. He gave his son as the propitiation for our sins. Yes, There's two audiences that should always be considered when you're putting up a church sign, and the majority audience are unbelievers. What might they perceive from that, that that love is from God? Okay, so God is love. Love is from God. I love me. He loves me. We're in perfect harmony. Everything is groovy. God's on the same page I am. Could somebody conclude that? And if you think, yeah, they could, then you got to go back to the drawing board. Don't forget the other audience, however, Christians. The majority of people driving by are not. But there are those who do. Keep them in view, too. What is your church sign intended to be? An edification of the saints or an evangelistic outreach? And by the way, I think the answer, frankly, can be both. Church sign. What was that? I don't know. <laughs> that sounds like a feline disease. Church <laughs> sign. Worship with us. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> this man has two voices. Did you hear how he did that? Are you okay, Church sir? Worship with us online. No. No, you can't. That's like saying, um, attend the football game at home. Well, no, attend means to be there at the stadium or your home, but you're not both. This conflation that we think we can do church at home, please note, I think that having online church is good for your body of believers because you've got some people, they might be traveling, they've got a health issue, they are a shut-in. It is excellent for those people. That, that we provide that. But please note, for those people, they are not worshiping with the church. They're witnessing the worship of the church. They're not participating in corporate worship. They're merely viewing it. Therefore, let's have online church, but let's not think that it replaces church. And if I could do a shout-out to the folks who are shut-ins, keep watching online. It's a, it's a blessing that you have the ability to do that. You get to see faces, but... I don't think that's where the relationship should stop. I think the church, identifying people who are shut in, not able to get to church, they either figure out a way to go and get them, or they go to him or her. Because those people, they need the body, not online pixels. And I might also add, if I could do a notabene to the asterisk, communion is fine that way. I'm... I'm pretty conservative when it comes to communion. 
I do believe that there is an order that should take place. I do believe there is an examination that should happen. And I do believe that it is done in the community, a.k.a. communion, of believers assembled together. And I think that is ideally done in corporate worship. But I think there can be some exceptions. A hospital room, somebody, they can't go to communion. I don't think that that's a sin I don't think you can do communion alone unless some circumstances were really extraordinary because communion with union, it's union with God and with one another. But if people come to your home from church and y'all decide to do communion, do it reverently. But I think you can do it without feeling tainted in some way. The other group of people that you can benefit from your online church service are people who are checking you out. Very grateful that we get to watch you on Wednesday or Tuesday without having to waste a Sunday. (laughs) You can see what the church service is like. So let's keep online services available, but let us never confuse worship of the saints with online church. Church line, positive energy. That's it? That's it. That's all you need. Positive energy. Yep. Put them vibes out there, Norman Vincent Peale. <laughs> Church time. Celebrate the S-O-N ride 24-7. Well, all right. The majority of people driving by are unbelievers. Does that? What does that tell them? And the answer is no idea. What about to the believers? Because you can aim your sign at one of those two demographics. Would, that incl- would, that, would this encourage a Christian? Church sign, duct tape is good, but three nails fixes everything. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Three nails doesn't fix everything. The the three nails fix our God problem. That's what it fixes. The cross does not guarantee smooth sailing. It just guarantees, even though the waters are rocky, you are going to get to safe harbor because Jesus is going to bring you there because he solved your biggest problem, which is God. Why? Because he drank the cup of God's wrath to the dregs on your behalf. The cross solves our sin problem. The cross solves our relationship problem with God. But it doesn't fix everything. Jimmy, when you got saved, was every relationship suddenly amazing? Absolutely not. Huh. Everything go right at work? No. Huh. No more financial struggles? <laughs> no, they actually started. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably true. That's that's not the guarantee of the gospel. Three crosses, it fixes our biggest problem, but not every temporal problem. Church sign, to know God is to do justice. How? To know God is to do justice. All right. To know God is to do... Ah, wait, I think I've got it figured out. All right, sorry. I'm a bit of a literalist. So if you know God, you will do justice. Maybe that's what their intention was. If so, it's like, yeah, okay, most likely it's from a social justice church. Yeah. But, but if I'm going to be literal about this, to know God is to do justice. No, it's not. It is to have justice dealt with. And the way justice is dealt with, the sinful human being who repents and puts their trust in Jesus, is God's justice is satisfied in the person and the work of Jesus. I don't know how you can do justice 
by knowing God. It could be a fruit, but I don't know that it's part and parcel. Church sign, God is still writing your story. Put down the pen. Trust your authority. Uh, trust your story? No, trust your authority. Trust, oh, yeah. trust your authority. I see. Hmm. Kind of got a good idea what kind of church that is. <laughs> God isn't still writing your story. Your story has been written. It's done. It's sealed. And you complain, wait a second. Does that mean this isn't real? I'm not making actual decisions? You're doing both. You, you, your story is written. It has been sovereignly ordained. God is providentially overseeing everything that he wrote about your story in eternity past simultaneously. You're really living it. You're really doing it. This is a category that must exist in the Christian faith. There must be issues that we just don't get. We cannot fully know the mind of God. We cannot know, for instance, at least well, we can speculate about the functional relationship between the Trinitarian Godhead. Those are worthy theological discussions, but you're, you're, you're getting into an area that's like, whoa, that's, that's some tall cotton there. That's, that's deep waters. I'm not sure that we can get that. Why? Because God is bigger than we are. He's smarter than we are, and we are limited in our omniscience, which means we don't have it, but he does. And so we must have elements of God that we just don't get otherwise. If a religious system produces a God that is totally gettable, that God is man-made. God, by nature, must be more complicated, more wise, smart, everything than we are. And this is one of those instances that we make genuine decisions, and yet God has sovereignly ordained everything. Here's another one of the conundrums. Does God elect? Yes. Do we make a genuine decision? Yes. You say, not sure that works together. And I say, there are going to be some things that are necessary for us to go, I'm not sure that we're fully going to grasp this thing. Who is sanctifying you? Yourself or the Holy Spirit? You say both. Wait a second. Which one? Exactly. It's all the power of the Holy Spirit, but you're actually doing it. <laughs> Those conundrums, if I dare call them that, they must exist, and they should not discourage. They should encourage us. This God must be unique. He must be genuine because we can't get him. He's proven himself. The word is a sure witness that God exists, not to mention creation and conscience. But we, we, we've got his word, which testifies that this is the true and living God. And one of the aspects that we should embrace and enjoy is, whew, I can't figure out this God entirely, which means he's not fashioned by the hands of men. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.